0: I think Gorgeous George, it was just a bit too much testosterone around the place, so they had to dilute it and bring in.
1: Too much gorgeousness. am not sure you can say that.
0: Sit across from your boyfriend. Oh, yeah. It's episode 505, and Sarah's back with newbie questions. Let's cue that intro. The big question is this. How do we use cycling as a tool to improve our health, our happiness, and our longevity? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Anthony Walsh, and welcome to the Roadman Podcast. This is a very special podcast edition. Welcome back, Sarah.
1: Golden Dag from Iceland. (laughs) What? Golden Dag it means hello.
0: Is that what you were doing down on the back of the camper van, listening to Coffee Break uh, Icelandic <laughs> edition?
1: Yes, it's a, a ger- Germanic language. Apparently, very, very difficult. Very
0: difficult to <laughs> say the word Germanic as well.
1: <laughs> I did. I studied German for six years in school. Believe it or not. <laughs> oh, we're having a ball here, aren't we?
0: Um, the camper van has been a experience.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to get.
0: I don't know. Are we? Gonna oh, get they're
1: one? amazing! It's such an it's such a fun way to see a country. It's just an adventure. It's the
0: buzz, isn't it? It's so, a buzz. What is it? That, what van do we got? A Fiat Ducato?
1: Yes, I think so. So, so it's not a
0: full on camper van. It's more of a Tink uh, Mercedes Sprinter size converted. Mm. But we've got bathroom with a shower in it. Shower's not working. No, story for another day. We've got sink but water's not running. We've got a hob that, that is works. working. Yeah. We've got a fridge. We've got a double bed. We've got a little bit of a garage for storage, kitchen table. It's a nice little setup.
1: And we've got the seats at the front that uh, roll around.
0: The captain's chairs. The captain's
1: chairs, yeah. So we're. it's just so cool. I just love this. I think I could uh, full-time roam around Europe in a camper van. It's Great fun.
0: So if we were getting a camper van back home, I was thinking because I've had Ted King on the podcast, I've had Pete Stetton on the podcast, I've had Laura King, Ted King's wife, on the podcast recently. And the common trait that links them all is they all have cool converted, almost purpose-built cycling vans. So I was kind of thinking, what would we do differently if we were pimping out our own wagon?
1: What would you do? I don't know. It's, I guess we would need a little bit of a better solution for the bikes. The bike storage is are jammed in at the yeah. minute.
0: Yeah. So the bed at the back of the camper van, it's elevated, but the bike doesn't fit in standing up and there's no sort of rail system. So I have the seat post out, the wheels off, and the bike just kind of slid in. It's pretty cool though that it's not exterior to the vehicle. Like you can go into a coffee shop and not worried about your bike getting rubbed off the roof of the van. The shower not working is it's a bit of a pain in the ass when you're going out for a ride and haven't come in we've been staying in campsites because you're not allowed camp on the side of the road kind of in the wild in the wild's a camping term as well
1: <laughs> <laughs> where are all the people in Iceland we have seen nobody here
0: I went on a four hour ride yesterday and I had enough food for a two and a half to three hour ride and I was thinking I'll definitely see at least a shop in a four hour ride never mind a shop I didn't even see a person for four hours yeah it's very sparse isn't it but it's
1: really really beautiful I didn't. I haven't been out on the bike yet but I have been doing a good bit of hiking and it's just paradise here for hiking it's absolutely sensational
0: it's also paradise if you're a geography student or a geography aficionado yeah. we have waterfalls which yeah, are if you're, into, if you're into
1: waterfalls there's a lot of waterfalls i've been
0: giving sarah a breakdown from my leaving sarah geography days of how waterfalls are formed with water flowing over an area of semi-permeable rock.
1: <laughs> I'm throwing my eyes up to heaven here. He has another one as well. The only other thing he remembers from another six years of doing geography in secondary school. What is a tombola, Anthony?
0: Uh, a tombola, I think it's a, is it a temporary landmass <laughs> connected to the mainland. But <laughs> well, we've also fissures, we've geysers. Are they geysers? Geysers, yeah. Geysers, Fishers, fissures. I'm not
1: sure you're pronouncing that right, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. You have it
0: all here in Iceland except sun.
1: So you set for the rift on Saturday.
0: Uh, no, I'm absolutely not uh, I've no training done. Uh, I'm like ten kilos over of race weight. <laughs> I don't know anything about gravel cycling. There's all this the whole other language, like plugs and tire widths. Don't know anything about any of that, but I'm winging it. I'm winging it, What's and I'm gonna tactics? go full. What's the tactics? I'm gonna do like they say in Anchorman, that perfume. I think it's called Sex Panther. He sprays it on himself. He says it works, uh, one percent of the time every time. <laughs> so I'm gonna go full gas, for the drop of the flag, like it's a ten kilogram, like a ten uh, kilometer race, like and a TT. No, full TT is <laughs> evenly paced. I'm going full <laughs> off the lion. And I'm going to see where I end up.
1: I can't wait to see this. I'm going
0: full for 10k and I'm going to hang on for 190.
1: 200 kilometers of gravel. It's going to be so much fun.
0: So if you haven't checked out Wednesday's podcast, I went full rift gravel preview. Talked about the four river crossings, the volcanoes. The volcanoes are, if you haven't listened to my Wednesday podcast, my gravel rift preview, I'll give you the highlights package right now. The volcano erupted in 2010 and it shut down air travel like worldwide. Yeah, on average, it erupts every ten years, and it's twelve years since it's last erupted. Just to let you know. So we're G,
1: we're G one. I'm sure they're monitoring it. I'm sure we will know in advance if it's going we to erupt. We won't know.
0: Like whoever's monitoring it, they're going to get the hell out. But we're not off the tell grid. We're
1: off the grid here. <laughs> All right, you had a good week on the on the podcast as well.
0: Yeah, I have almost ditched you I have Joel Laverick coming on co hosting podcast with me on the Tour de France at the moment, and you know. The rapport is better, probably, than the one we have. So
1: yeah, I was asking you how you were getting on with Joe, and you're like, "Well, he's a lot funnier than you are." <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, thanks."
0: Uh, it's a go. It's Joe really. He knows just, his stuff. He's watching every kilometer of the Tour de France, so he just he, he he's in the weeds. He knows every single beat of every single heart in that peloton.
1: And we had a Canadian winner a few days ago for one of the stages. Ugo Uhl. Ugo. Or, I was like going to say Hugo.
0: Huel. <laughs> Soft H is there for Sarah.
1: Ugo Uhl. That's how they were saying on the telly. <laughs> it was a
0: really big day for Canadian cycling. Obviously, I spent a lot of time racing out in Canada. I have a lot of fond memories, of all teammates and teams out there as well. And it's brilliant to see it. Mike Woods, a guy who I raced against a lot when I was out in Canada. He was riding for Garnot at the time. He was third on the stage. And then his teammate, Hugo Hu who tragically lost his brother, I think, almost 10 years ago to a hit and run... And it's the first bike race he's ever won. So to see him winning that and giving a pretty emotional tear-jerking interview after was amazing. Yeah,
1: that is so cool. Now, I don't know if Joe Laverick has given you little nuggets of information like this, but there's a fella trying to steal Dee, the devil's crown. We spoke about DD last week on the podcast. He's the complete mad lad that looks like a, we- a wizard dressed as a devil. He's a devil. devil. Yeah, but he's got a huge, big, long uh, beard and he's, yeah, he's cool. So he has a contender this year. This guy is trying to be the new Didi. And he's, I'm going to say dressed like a convict, but are those um, are those striped pajamas like typically French? Or
0: no, I think that's prison fatigues. It's prison
1: fatigues. <laughs> And he has the French flag draped over him and a sign saying the earth is flat. So he's going to be known as the flat earther and he is planning to take over the mantle from Didi. So watch out for him.
0: What a head case. You know who he wouldn't get on well with? Jack Ultra Cyclist, who I had on the podcast this week as well. Jack's
1: not a flat earther then, no? No,
0: Jack's the opposite to a flat earther. He's a man who chases vert, oh. vertical <laughs> ascent metres. His goal, uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast, he's trying to do a million metres of climbing in 2022 to raise a million euro for a charity it's a brilliant cause but that breaks down to being a totally unmanageably catastrophic amount of cycling each week you know you're looking north 30 hours every week in everest each week i think it's rest day i went out last sunday before leaving uh, for iceland long hard day you see me when i came in i was cooked and i think i done less than 2500 meters of earth on his rest day, he's doing three thousand meters of vertical. It's insane.
1: That is absolutely crazy. People now I know Jack is different. He is a serious athlete, but people will target an Everest a year. I know they're like normal, you know, normal cyclists, but that's you know a target once every 12 months. He's doing one at least one per week,
0: right? Well, I'm gonna try and get out with him because he has this concept called Sherpa Week. And it's the first week in October, I think, and he's trying to round up a bunch of people to basically tag along and do every kilometre he does. Like, he's been doing it all year, but just to give people a snapshot of how hard it is, for one week, people are going to tag along and ride every kilometre with him for Sherpa Week and to kind of whip up a bit of a frenzy around the fundraising. It's absolutely amazing. So you're going to be his Sherpa? I'm going to be a Sherpa. Sherpa. I always want to be a Sherpa. It's <laughs> like climbing the mystique, but for mountaineers. Yeah, those guys are tough
1: as nails. Okay, so also starting in the next couple of days is the Tour de Femme avec Zwift, starting on the 24th.
0: Yep, it's the first women's Tour de France. We've talked about it briefly, but I had a chance to catch up with one of the Zwift uh you know the people behind the Zwift sponsorship and it's coming out next week. Kate it's a brilliant interview we talked really about Zwift's motivation for getting involved and I've actually since and in the past probably two weeks done a complete U-turn on Zwift. I always say I have like strong opinions held loosely and Zwift and indoor training has definitely been one of them because I was kind of comparing like an apples with apples going look, well it's not as good as outdoor riding but it doesn't have to be as good as outdoor riding it's different in its own sense. It stands alone itself. And it, like we've said on the podcast, it erodes so many of the barriers to participation for people who are lacking a little bit of confidence to go out and meet up with a group or lack of confidence to navigate traffic and you know all the other reasons like tight fitting clothing that's not, you know, like wearing body paint out on a bike ride. Zwift erodes a lot of those reasons to not go ride your bike. And I, I think it's just haven't reconsidered my position on it because I was quite anti-indoor training and anti-ZWIFT but I've kind of settled on a new position of I think it's a valuable tool now.
1: Yeah it's a tool yeah I absolutely like Zwift is everywhere at the moment and the fact that they're putting in such an amount of money into the female tour is absolutely incredible you know I'm a big can't see me can't be me and the fact that the Tour de Femme is being televised as well for the full eight days is just going to be incredible for a women's sport uh, throughout the world it's only eight days but they're hitting every single type of terrain there's gravel sections there's all the big climbs so it is going to be very
0: very very exciting and i think i could be wrong on this but i think they're starting paris the day the lads finish in yeah. paris yeah which is right. really cool yeah and also the lance armstrong the move podcast the biggest one in the game they've extended their tour coverage for an extra week for the Tour de Femme of X-Wift.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Lance and Gorgeous George, um, how they navigate the Tour de Femme because they're very opinionated. Uh, you know, they're tough guys. And yeah, we'll see how they kind of get on with the commentary. And also, how well do they know the female riders? Well, I how- don't think it's them. Oh, it's not them. I think they're bringing uh, in
0: a female co-host. I think oh, it's fab. maybe Lance okay. and a female co-host. Okay, that I makes sense. I think Gorgeous George, it was just a bit too much thrown <laughs> around the place. So they had to <laughs> dilute it and bring in.
1: Too much gorgeousness. Okay. I'm not sure you can say that. <laughs>
0: Sit across from your boyfriend.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, okay, well, looking forward to that. I know, for one, I will be watching every single stage. I cannot wait.
0: hit a few newbie questions
1: question number one great podcast i tune in every week and i have all my cycling buddies listening too like a listener a few weeks ago i too am getting a bit pissed off with a constant war between motorists versus cyclists and i'm considering a gravel bike what is the minimum standard i need to be to start thinking about gravel riding how much harder is it than road keep up the good work ben
0: I actually just tweeted before we started recording this podcast, so many cycling outlets have these close pass videos and I just don't think they're helpful at all. Firstly, I think they're boring as shit and they're really lazy journalism. Like, check out this close pass and then they put up some poxy GoPro video of a car going past a cyclist. Like, that's always been happening, I think. I don't know, I just, I hate the idea of these. It's just It feels lazy and it doesn't feel like it helps to kind of us versus them. It yeah, it drives even more of enemy. a wedge. Yeah, yeah it does. Because it really, really does. Then you see motors coming back in the comments going, oh, loads of space. What are you talking about? Bloody cyclists. I and mean, there's more constructive ways to educate around that. And plus, it's not an us versus them because, you know, we're in a, a camper van right now, but then we pull out a bike most people wear many different hats. It's not like you sit in one hardcore camp and you're just a cyclist or just a motorist. I know that wasn't the question, but I just no. wanted to get that off. I my did chest.
1: read an article a couple of weeks ago where the police in the UK have been joining group rides to actually experience close passes and how bad it was. So that's a um, good idea. Yeah, that is a brilliant idea. So you should get a few of the local constabulary into our group rides. We'd be stuck day. at every
0: traffic light. <laughs> <laughs> <I'd> never <laughs> be able to roll a red light again. You
1: don't roll red lights, do you? I roll
0: red lights of them out on my own occasionally if there's no one oh around uh, so what's the question minimum standard for gravel riding because it is tougher ride I think it depends where you are uh, I think if say I've been riding a bit this week in Iceland if you didn't know uh, and <laughs> there's one time in band camp <laughs> there's flat roads in Iceland that just happen to be gravel now it's a little bit harder than riding on the pavement because it's not smooth and it needs a little bit more concentration and bike handling skills but The barrier to getting into it in a country that has flat roads like Iceland, it's pretty low. You need a different bike, but the fitness barrier isn't super, super high. The same if you live in the US, you know, those beautiful roads we see for Unbound around Kansas. Now, if you live in Colorado, if you live in Ireland, the UK, gravel riding can mean a lot of climbing up the side of mountains. And where I do most of my riding is Wicklow in Ireland. And it's very, very mountainous. It's a very mountainous region for Ireland. You know, it's not the high mountains like the Alps and the Pyrenees, but the climbs are steep, like a much much steeper than you'd experience on road bikes. You know, you're looking north twenty percent for a lot of these gradients, and it's quite physical as well. With like hike a bike, lifting bikes over fences and gates, and uh, the country codes, Sarah, the close the gates co- after you. <laughs>
1: Can I tell the story about the country code? Myself and Anthony were on this hike. I'm from the actual country, the middle of nowhere. Anthony is from the city. He's a city boy. So we were on a hike a couple of about a year ago and Anthony kept going on about the country code and how you close the gates behind you, you leave nothing behind you and animals can get out and all this kind of crack. So we were doing this mad hike across this place in Kerry and next thing we came across all these bullocks in the field and one was kind of coming towards us and Anthony, well, he hid behind me pushed me in front of the bullock and he was like what is it what is that is that a bull and I was like so much for the effing country code
0: here (laughs) that story's (laughs) grown arms and legs it
1: has not that's exactly how it happened (laughs) you went pale you thought you were getting attacked by a bull
0: I'm still pale recounting that story (laughs) Uh, so I would say yeah depending on where you are if it's a flat road it's no harder uh, to get into than road riding if you're in a mountainous region you might need a min minimum level of fitness. And Sarah is going to hook you up with that with one of our training plans. Yeah,
1: no problem. I'm getting in touch. <laughs> okay, number two. So Anthony, I know you and your team coaches hundreds of cyclists every year. What is the common trait you see in the people who are successful in reaching their target goals and those that don't?
0: Consistency that's the one word it's the one glamorous one no one wants to hear everyone wants we're in a real culture of magic pills seven minute abs shortcuts People want to outsource everything, but you can't outsource your hard work. You need to show up and do your sessions every single day of the week. Some of the sessions are going to be difficult. You're going to have less than optimum conditions. People show up for work if they have a headache. People show up for work if they're feeling a bit under the weather or they've had a fight with their partner or they're overdue in their mortgage. They show up for work and they still get work done. But a lot of people that I see failing, they use this stuff as excuses to not do their training sessions. I had a headache today. I had a fight with the girlfriend today. And they skip sessions. The session needs to get done regardless. And the people who show up and get their sessions done regardless and keep moving forward, although imperfectly moving forward at times, they're the ones who keep almost always hit their goals. The people who use those excuses to justify inaction, they're the ones who don't hit their goals.
1: Yeah. And so he said here traits, now, like consistency, yeah, I totally agree. But do you see a particular type of person that comes to coaching and succeeds rather than another person? You know, the way we have A type personalities. I don't really know what they mean. <laughs> I'll be completely honest. Well, A is very organized, high achieving, you know, very focused, that kind of stuff. Does that matter? Like, no matter what type of personality you have, You can succeed if you put your mind to it.
0: Yeah, I think if you show up like there's very little talent in the game. When you get Mm. to the top level, like you can get the category one in Ireland or around the world. A Cat One license is a pretty you know recognizable worldwide standard. I think you can anyone can get to a Cat One with application, consistency, and putting in the kilometers. And that's putting in the kilometers month after month, season after season. And it's living, you know, it's living in keeping with that off the bike as well, where it's the unglamorous stuff we don't like to do, like moving, like lifting stuff, like fasting, cold therapy, grounding, the stuff that we talk about all the time and we have behind a lot of our paywalls in our members area. This is the stuff that needs to be performed consistently. And then at the very, very edges, sure, there's talent. Talent separates people then but I don't know if you can put it into you know your you corporates love that corporate speak of type personalities I don't know if there's a certain type of personality uh, that exists someone that likes a bit of hardship Mm. farmers ability farmers
1: uh, ability to suffer
0: a little bit he's Lampard I'm just a farmer's son now I'm the yellow (laughs) in the Tour de France you know who else was a farmer's son Sean Kelly oh no way one of the greats the goats
1: Third question today is, Anthony, can you recommend a good starter road bike? I currently have a hybrid, but looking for a proper road bike. Any suggestions? Budget is around 2K. Thanks, Richard.
0: I wouldn't go with a particular brand. Secondhand market's pretty good, uh, but there's not a brand that I would say you need to get a giant road bike or you need to get a Trek road bike. Generally, the names you know like that are going to be a little bit more expensive and there's a lot of value in brands like that are lesser known. I would be looking more at group set than I would at frame choice. You know, for 2000, if you get something in the secondhand market with a 105 group set Shimano or comparable in Campag and SRAM, I think that would be a brilliant starter bike. And if you're not going fast on that bike, if you're not dropping your friends, if you're not winning bike races, it's not because of the bike. It's not the bike. It's because of the legs.
1: Yeah, so you don't have to get the specialized, the pinarello anything like that it's just focus on the group set and that will well,
0: yeah you could get a specialized you can get a pinarello like with a 105 group set one of their entry level ones okay. would be perfect every brand will have one of these entry level bikes but there's a level just below that so we've if we stick with shimano just to simplify it the shimano 105 above that shimano ultegra which i'm using and you're using sarah and above that there's tour ace which is top Sort of France lads are using that. Some people race on it, but it's pretty expensive if you break a shifter to replace it. And there's a negligible enough difference between Ultegra and Dura-Ace. But below the 105 Ultegra Dura-Ace, below those, you have sort of, you know, they're kind of hobby cyclists. Great. They're like Shimano Sora, Shimano Tiagra. They're very bad and they are hard to get parts for and they break a lot. And they're not really designed for big mileage.
1: So do you... Is the difference between 105 and Altegra that this is a very newbie question, question? what is yeah. the difference? Like, do, does it actually go faster? Is it easier to change gears? Is it, I don't really understand why you're paying top money for the super, super high-end one.
0: Well, it's trickle-down research. So, they, if a new group set comes out, so they're constantly, these companies like Shimano, they're constantly researching and looking for a performance edge so they bring out the new Jura Ace 12 speed which came out I think just before the Giro d'Italia this mm-hmm. year so say Jumbo Visma use Shimano so they all got prototypes in the lead up to the Giro d'Italia Roglic used it in Liege and stuff and then into the Giro Italia, they'll use this, and it's the you know it's the lightest chain rings, it's the new shifting technology, it's less chance you dropping your chain, it's all of that stuff. Okay. So that's in the new Jura Ace for 2022, and then what we typically see is a trickle down in the technology. So the previous years Jura Ace, so the 2021 Jura Ace, will now start to be incorporated into the 105. So like a 105 group set now. It's probably light years ahead of, you know, a your race group set for five years ago because yeah. it's had so much trickle-down technology into it. But okay. it's generally just a little bit heavier. It's not as much uh, emphasis on performance. It's not the cutting-edge technology. There's stuff they could do better and it's in te- it's integrated into the higher level.
1: And if he was to buy a um, Ultegra, it would probably cost him the full cost of the bike, as in that would be an Altegra group set would be about 2k.
0: I think it's even more. Even
1: more, okay. Spicy. Okay, Tech Corner, Anthony. We're still talking about Eurobike, which is this huge big conference every year from all the biking technology companies. They showcase all their new research and development, all the kind of new whiz-bangs gadgets for the for the cyclist so you've been having a look at a new type of saddle
0: yeah so there's a few 3D printed saddles that are coming out and I know 3D printing technology is coming pretty fast so I just thought that was interesting that almost every bike brand has started using 3D printed technology
1: is this for individuals so it's kind of like you know when you go to the dentist they take an imprint of your teeth like a mold so you take a mold you you, 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 you sit, it, set, you sit they, into they, a bathtub full of carbon send, they send you this squidgy like plate <laughs> Mola, and you just, you know, place it there. There'll be some big saddles hard, out there. <laughs> let it harden, send it back, and they build a saddle around I, your dimension I don't think that's what
0: it means, no. <laughs> right. Well, okay. uh, let's hope not, <laughs> anyway. Uh, the other thing that caught my eye in it is uh, a company called Classified Power Shift. They're creating a hub, and they caught my eye because they have a lot of high-level influencers involved in it. Uh, They're not influencers. They're ex-pro cyclists. Uh, Some of the fastest guys ever, Marcel Kittel, Andre Greipel, they've all been in early-stage investors into this company. So Classified's idea is to get rid of the front mech, and you can see why the sprinters are so excited about it because of drop chains. The front mech—it's just a nightmare. It hasn't evolved very much at all, and everyone knows that experience of going over the top of the climb in your small ring, shifting into your big ring for the descent, and hoping you don't throw the chain over because you're going to get gapped from that front group and all your hard work up the climb is going to be for naught classifieds aiming to just eliminate that completely with a hub so gears integrated into the back hub and they've signed up a bunch of the top wheel manufacturers already haven't played around with it haven't used it haven't read any of the reviews. It just looks super cool and yeah. Kittle's involved so that's cool as well.
1: That's pretty cool. Okay, I'd love one of those. No more you shouting at me, get into your big ring. Yeah, no,
0: you won't be getting one. of it. It'll be, <laughs> It's trickle down technology, Sarah. I'll have to get ten it for years us. Uh, Ten years from now, you might have there's my...
1: A, there's a hierarchy here in this household. <laughs> uh,
0: thanks for tuning in for our little uh, camper van podcast and our mobile podcasting setup.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's been very new and different and yeah, I'll be back tomorrow with my own solo cast
0: Sarah's campervan solo cast Road yep. man ride safe and I'll be back to you again on Monday thanks for tuning in
1: thank you for listening to today's podcast have you ever wondered how good you could actually be each of us has a unique set of circumstances with work, family, and social obligations, but we also want to fulfill our potential in cycling. Okay, okay, maybe you won't ever win the Tour de France, but for most of us, this isn't what cycling is about. So let us build you the perfect training plan around your lifestyle that's totally unique to you and will help you finally realize your cycling dreams. So whether you're just getting started on the bike or if you're a more seasoned cyclist, we have a suitable coach for you. So why not schedule a call with us and we can have a chat about how we can help you go further than you ever dreamed of in your cycling and fitness goals. Go to roadmancycling.com forward slash contact or pop me an email directly to Sarah at roadmancycling.com.